Welcome to your Canadians Connection on Rocket Sports Radio. This premier hockey podcast featured on allhabs.net brings you the latest news, in-depth analysis, and expert commentary about the NHL's most storied franchise, the Montreal Canadiens, with your hosts, Joe Whalen and Rick Stevens. Our team of credentialed journalists provides behind-the-scenes insight on the Canadians, designed to inform, entertain, and engage Habs fans around the globe. We are proud to be the trusted source for all things Habs for more than a decade. This is the Canadians Connection Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio, keeping you informed, engaged, and entertained. My name is Joseph Whalen, and I'm going to be your host for the next hour. This is episode 120 of the Canadians Connection podcast, and I'm pleased to be joined in studio by my co-host, the editor-in-chief, the founder, the president of Rocket Sports Media, Mr. Rick Stevens. Rick, how are you doing on this fine Saturday? I'm doing really well. And um, something we don't mention often enough is is that you're a proud Newfoundlander. Yes, yes, that is that is very true. And I saw on social media this week that you were uh, saying how proud you were and how much yeah. you like being a Newfoundlander, except in January. Except in January. <laughs> January is not a fun time to be a Newfoundlander. Um, well, actually, I won't say that. January is not a fun time to be in Newfoundland. It's okay. always a fun time to be a Newfoundlander. Uh, but to be in Newfoundland in January, uh, that is one of the the worst things. Because you remember last year, last year, remember we were doing this podcast right. last year before everything, before the world went out, turned into we're, flames. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. When, remember when we were snowed in with 70 <laughs> centimeters of snow here in Newfoundland, Mark Critch had his lovely uh, video essay. And uh yeah, the Snowmageddon it was called. Well, we basically had Snowmageddon 2.0. It wasn't as it wasn't as bad. Like it was it was uh, I think in the ballpark of 30 to 50 centimeters of snow. All right. Uh, which, you know, that that's that's a normal day. That's a normal day in Newfoundland <laughs> in January, but uh, still not ideal. And uh, yeah, I tweeted out that picture of my porch, of my uh, outside, uh, my my deck. Um and yeah, it was uh, not not a fun not a fun day Thursday. And uh, yeah, it's uh, and, and what made it you know and in Newfoundland as well. The other part of it is we are an hour and thirty minutes ahead of Eastern Standard Time. True. So when everybody on social media is complaining about oh the the ten o'clock start, that's eleven thirty <laughs> for me. I was that's up at eleven thirty. Eleven thirty to 2 a.m. watching the Habs play out in BC. That was not a fun that was not a fun day for me. Um but hey, it, it brought a, it was a little bit of it was something to look forward to in in the midst of all that snow. So uh it was it ended up being uh, not too bad of a day. But Rick, normal start uh, time for you yeah, tonight though. Normal start time for me tonight, which I'm very much appreciative yeah. of and uh I was actually surprised last week uh, if we're being honest, on the Saturday, I was surprised it was an 8.30 start in Edmonton. So that was a joy. That was a nice surprise as well. But uh, Rick, 
Uh, we have a lot to get to we here do. today. It's been a busy week and right up until... Busy morning, yeah. Hour, yeah, busy morning. Right up until about an hour ago, we've had news coming in. And uh, I think everyone that is listening to this podcast knows exactly what I'm speaking about. Uh, and we're going to get to it later on in the show. It, of course, being... Pierre-Luc Dubois. We're going to get to that at the end of this segment, but Rick, we should tee up what we're going to talk about in our big topic segment, mm-hmm. because we are five games in to this new NHL season, and uh, there's still a ways to go, not quite as long as usual, given that it's it's only 56 games, not 82, but we've gotten a bit of a sample size, so if you remember back to episode 118, Rick, we sat here and gave our predictions we did. for which Canadians newcomer would be the most impactful. I said Josh Anderson, you said Tyler Toffoli, and of course there's other newcomers that are that are on the Montreal Canadiens as mm-hmm. well. So after five games, the preface for this being that it's just five games. It's way too early, but it's still, way too early. We're gonna do it anyway. It's enough of a sample size for us to say, hey, maybe this is what these guys could be uh, for the season. But of course, it is very early. But we're going to revisit that big topic segment, talk about the Habs newcomers. It's going to be a fun conversation to have coming out of this week and uh, all the storylines that emerged. Um, So, Rick, I guess we'll run down the week that was for the Montreal Canadiens. And, of course, this is not going to be, this is going to be a little Cliff Notes, footnotes version of the week. If you want a comprehensive post-game review of all four games that I'm about to talk about, go to allhabs.net. Rick Stevens, the phenomenal Rick Stevens, has written post-game reviews for all four of them. But Rick, it yeah, started and, last and, week, and I should just say it's it's uh, we have stats there if that's if that's what yeah. you want. But it's more um, observations, big big picture kind of things that stood out. Uh, post-game observations and uh, that might interest you. And if if you have some uh, feedback on that, either uh, reach us on social media. Uh, you know where we are, or uh, leave a comment right there on the articles on allhabs.net. Absolutely. And and Rick, it started last Saturday. Uh, as we went off air on Saturday, they played the Edmonton Oilers that night. They win that game 5-1. to one. Carey Price was phenomenal between the pipes with 34 saves. It was everything that you'd expect of Carey Price. Uh, then they go and play the Edmonton Oilers again on Monday, And it's Jake Allen between the pipes getting his first start. He made 25 saves in that one. And Alexander Romanov scoring his first NHL goal, which was was great to see. So the Montreal Canadiens win 3-1 in that game. Then they head to Vancouver to start, uh, (laughs) well, back-to-back against the Vancouver Canucks. Wednesday night, they lose 6-5 in the shootout. Tyler Toffoli with a hat trick in his return to Vancouver. Unfortunately, the Canadians uh, don't end up on top in that one, but they come back on the Thursday night and Tyler Toffoli once again with two goals and an assist in that game. And boy, oh boy, he was, he was everywhere against the Vancouver Canucks. Um, and, and yeah, the Montreal Canadiens get out of that with a seven to three win. Uh, some unfortunate storylines that we're going to get to in a little bit, but all in all, a successful week for the Montreal Canadiens. Great week. Uh, it was fun to see Toffoli, um, you know, so excited. Toffoli versus Horvat show is what those two games uh, ended up being. And we still got another, the uh, yeah. the, the third game tonight. Um, so time for Toffoli to 
uh, add to his totals. But uh, the Canadians uh, at at airing of, of this podcast find themselves at uh, the top of the North Division, have not yet lost in uh, regulation time. Uh, with three wins and two overtime losses for eight points. So um, it's got to be, so. Uh, you know, whatever happens tonight, uh, it's still going to be uh, considered a, a good start to their road trip. Of course, uh, they head on to Calgary next week, and that might be a bit of a tough test. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Yeah, they finally get to get home out of <laughs> out of this road trip to get back and have their home opener. Mm-hmm. So that'll be a, a maybe a little bit of a of, that'll give them some energy, perhaps. Which um, it doesn't seem that they're lacking for energy, given the fact that they have as much depth as they do. But the home opener still uh, lives a little bit of a gives you a little bit of energy. But Rick, um, the one thing that has happened um, out of that Thursday night game, that second night of the back to back. Uh, the Yasperi cut Kanyemi line with Tyler Toffoli and Yoel Armia was fantastic in that game and really fantastic in both of the games against Vancouver. Um, unfortunately, uh, the Canadians will be without the services of Yoel Armia after a uh, questionable hit from Tyler Myers that gave Armia a concussion. Um, so Armia is not going to be in the lineup tonight. Um, and uh, in addition to that, there was no supplementary discipline for Tyler Myers uh, from that hit that he laid with the score being six six to three. Um, game very much in hand for the Montreal Canadiens. A bit of a blindside hit, um, but ultimately the Canadians do not get um, do not get that uh, that call from the Department of Player Safety that Myers will be um, out of the game. Uh, he's going to be in there tonight. Yeah, it's tough. You, you know, you didn't have to read between the lines too much to know that Claude Julien was expecting a suspension for uh, Tyler Myers. Uh, NHL player safety said it was a legal hit with uh, an unfortunate result, something in that terminology. Um, and an unfortunate result means that uh, Yol Armia, who, you know, uh, he he had two great games um, yeah. in in Vancouver um, on that line, as you said, with Kotkaniemi and Toffoli. Uh, he was he was key um, to to uh, uh, many of of the the plays. Uh, some said that it was. Uh, I think Ju- Julian said that it was um, some of the best hockey that Armia has played since he's been in a Canadian's sweater. So. Uh, really unfortunate that line was uh, developing some chemistry and uh, Julian said uh, that Armia is going to be out for some time. Yeah, and that's that's not what you want to see. Uh, he was playing, yeah, as, as Julian noted, and, and you could see it out there. I mean, and, and this is the thing with, with the lines that Jesperi Kotkaniemi has been on, whether it's been Armia or it's been Lekkonen, they've always created positive momentum when they're out on the ice. And though it didn't translate into goals against the Leafs, or against the Oilers, against Vancouver, you really saw it begin to translate that this line could emerge as being a really good line for the Montreal Canadiens, one that they can depend on for that scoring. And Armia is a part of that because he's got a pretty good release on that shot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, listen, it's unfortunate because he's that big body presence that you that you miss a little bit if he's not in the lineup. But the Canadians have other options to go to. We're going to get to who will be in that spot in just a moment from now. But, Rick, it wasn't the only player. Uh, Armia was not the only player that left Thursday's game early. Um, Paul Byron also left early after taking a uh, after being struck by a Shea Weber slap shot 
which is not an enviable position. That is not something that you want to have happen to anybody because, yeah, he was slow to get up and he hobbled to the bench and you sort of knew that uh, it was not going to be, uh, he was not going to be out there for another shift that night. And he is a game time decision for tonight's game. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh, two injuries coming out of that that uh, 7-3 win against the Vancouver Canucks. It's tough. Uh, yeah, uh, Byron didn't finish the game. Um, and uh, Julian said afterwards that, that he's kind of day to day. Um, and uh, we don't know if, if Byron will be in the line. He had, he didn't practice yesterday. Um, and um, uh, in, in their spots uh, were both uh, Corey Perry. Uh, and when I say their spots, uh, Armia and Byron uh, in their spots were uh, Corey Perry and Michael Froelich. Um, so there, there might be, um, you know, the assumption that, oh, this is easy. You got two players that are, that are injured. Uh, you got that taxi squad. You just call them up and, and put in, um, Perry and Froelich and, and Bob's your uncle. Not so yeah. easy, uh, <laughs> because the Canadians have a, a salary cap issue, as we know. Uh, and while they have the manpower sitting, waiting on, on, on the taxi squad, they don't have the salary cap space to fit both of them in. Uh, and of course, it's not like LTIR where you get uh, some cap relief, a long-term injury. These are short-term injuries, and the Canadians, uh, while they can absorb one person going into the lineup, they can't. Uh, they can't. Uh, they don't have the room to absorb two. Not yet. That's why they're they're uh, John Cedric's managing the cap. He's uh, he's taking players and putting them on that one vacant taxi squad. Uh, position that we told you about before the rotating in uh, Romanoff, uh, Kakinyemi, Suzuki and Evans into that spot to save a bit of money to, to accrue that that cap uh, so that they can afford to have more flexibility when they run into injuries like this uh, or even uh, to to fill out their roster. We know that that they're below the, the roster limit. Um, so I expect what's going to happen. Uh, the uh, Corey Perry has been recalled from the the taxi squad. Yeah, uh, and we expect him in the lineup tonight. He'll he'll likely make his Canadians debut tonight. In that other spot, um, Victor Meta is the only extra player they have, and uh, I I would I would. And Julian uh, yesterday in his uh, media availability said, you know, it's a possibility that they'll. Um, dress seven and uh, seven defensemen, and uh, will that mean that Victor gets a chance on the fourth line? Well, well, we'll see. Or will they? Yeah. Will they fill in some other ways? Uh, we'll see tonight. But um, unfortunately, that that that's uh, bad news for Michael Froelich that the money's not there to bring him in, uh, yeah. so that he can make his debut as well. And Michael Froelich would be somebody that you'd be excited to see play for the Montreal Canadiens as well. I know that many are looking forward to what will, we assume will be the debut of Corey Perry tonight. Michael Froelich would be a steady hand you could put out there, and he could fill into the spot that Paul Byron occupies in that penalty kill, mm-hmm. as he alluded to in his first availability, first uh, conference call um, with the Montreal media, that that was a role that he was looking forward, that he thought that he could provide a little bit. So... Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see what direction exactly they go. But yeah, there are cap implications here. And you touched on the fact that the Montreal Canadiens have been doing this sort of rotation where they put a guy through down to the taxi squad, whether it's Suzuki, Kotkaniemi, Romanoff, or Jake Evans. 
and um, this is just to give them the sort of day-to-day relief um, and, and, and some cap. And uh, Jake Evans, uh, <laughs> he gave a reaction to being placed on the taxi squad. I was just told I was going to be on the taxi squad for a couple of days, and um, I think everyone kind of knows what's going on with the team and the cap issues. So um, for me, it's I'm, no matter what, I'm in a great situation. I'm, I'm playing hockey, and um, so there's no reason for me to, to be angry about it. And it's helping the team out too, so uh, there's no reason for me to complain. I'm playing hockey and, and making money off it, so um, I'm just happy with that. Now, let's be clear that for these guys, there is a salary hit when yes. uh, yeah. when they're put on the taxi squad because then they're treated like a, an AHL player. And for those guys, there's a differential in, in the money they receive. So for those two days, they're making AHL money, not NHL money. However, what a mature response by yeah. Jake Evans and not only, you know, there's, there's okay, I'm helping the team out, but he's thinking even broader than that and said, um, you know, he didn't say at a time like this, but, but you can fill in the blanks uh, yes. when so many others, uh, because of the pandemic, are suffering, particularly the fans. Um, he, he said, I have nothing to complain about. I'm playing hockey, a game that I getting love paid. and I'm getting paid for it. So <laughs> what a great answer by a, by a young player, uh, in yeah. Jake Evans. And if he's not winning you over with his play on the ice, his fantastic play on the penalty kill, his speed, everything that he's brought to this team, that that answer, uh, will certainly uh, win you over right there. That is very mature, as you said. Um, but Rick, in it, so you just mentioned AHL, AHL money. <laughs> the Laval Rockets camp uh, opened with 32 players in attendance, some of which uh, coming off of some World Junior appearances. That's right, um, because this year um, there's a special arrangement uh, that uh, the AHL, unlike uh, other years, is uh, welcoming uh, CHL players as long as they don't have a place to play and and for yeah. for many they don't um, so we see um, for the Canadians that means some of their very young prospects including their recently drafted prospects uh, like Caden Gooley and Jan Mishak uh, both from the World Juniors as you mentioned um, uh, and other CHL players like Gianni Fairbrother and Jacob Laguerriere all those four players uh, are at uh, the Laval Rocket training camp, which opened on Friday. Um, check out allhabs.net. We have uh, both Chris G. and, and Amy Johnson uh, covering the Laval Rocket for us. There was a, me- a media availability on Friday, and so Amy Johnson was able to uh, get in on that and, and ask some questions of Coach Joel Bouchard and uh, uh, Belzile and Willette, uh, the players. So um, f- if you're, you're interested in prospects, if you're interested in Laval Rock, Rocket coverage, uh, be sure to check out uh, those articles. Yeah, you won't want to miss that. Amy Johnson and, and Chris G provide some fantastic coverage of the Laval Rockets, so you're definitely going to want to check those out. Um, Rick, we had some news this week that we were expecting to come to pass, that we've been sort of waiting on a little bit, and it was finally announced. Uh, the Habs have announced affiliation with new ECHL franchise in Trois-Rivières, uh, and that's, of course, uh, headed by the uh, 
Deacon Sports and Entertainment, Dean McDonald of Newfoundland, who also owns the Newfoundland Growlers, and another EA, ECHL franchise as well, does he not? In Iowa, yeah. Brand In new, Iowa, exactly. A, a yeah. new expansion, a new, expansion yeah. franchise. So he is he is expanding the ECHL on his own, really. <laughs> He's doing it. <laughs> Deacon Sports and Entertainment is doing some heavy lifting here. And the Montreal Canadiens announced affiliation. They will finally have an ECHL franchise for the first time since the Brampton Beast. And uh, in the last year, they were sharing that with the Belleville Senators. So, yeah, it's it's good to have again. That's a really good point, because the last time that, um, that the Canadians had their own uh, exclusive um, ECHL affiliate was the 2016-17 season. Yeah, uh, that's that's a while ago. And <laughs> yep. as you say, then the following season, um, they it was a shared kind of a loose arrangement with the Ottawa um, Senators uh, in 2017-18. And then uh, then Brampton became exclusively attached to Ottawa in the 2018-19 uh, season and uh, so the Canadians haven't had anywhere to put their their uh, ECHL bound players and that's left them scattering uh, players amongst teams and it just doesn't work it it doesn't yeah. work because of uh, you don't have that that connection with coaching um, you don't have that uh, you have the 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 dominant team um, you know favoring their players as they should and so you had uh, you know Michael McNiven getting bounced around we've talked about that story. Um, so it's, it's, this has been, been a long time coming, long time negotiating, yeah. uh, <laughs> but by 2021, 20, 22, um, the Canadians will have an ECHL, uh, franchise and a brand new building in Trois-Rivières, uh, and, uh, that, that will, um, you know, finish that, that chapter and allow the, the, the smooth transport of players between Trois-Rivières, Laval and Montreal. Yeah, it's just a much better setup to have. And yeah, you're not sort of giving these players, these young guys like Michael McNiven, as you pointed out, Michael McNiven was playing for any team that would have him. So I mean, this is this is a much better setup to have. These guys can get direct messaging. They're within their own organization. It's it's just a way better setup. So it's a good thing that this has all worked out the way that it has. Uh, and good on uh, Dean McDonald, Deacon Sports and Entertainment. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so this is a fantastic news for the Montreal Canadiens. But, Rick, we'll move on because uh, when Shane Charlo left the Montreal Canadiens organization, there was a need for a new amateur scout, and the Montreal Canadiens went out and hired an, am an amateur scout. They did, uh, by the name of Ben Shutron, young guy, mm -hmm. 32 years of, uh, of age, and uh, most recently with uh, the, the um, Hockey Canada, Team Canada uh, junior team, where he was the, the team manager. Uh, he has a modest uh, hockey career, played junior in Kingston, Kitchener, Windsor, uh, then went from there. Even though he was drafted by uh, the Blackhawks in 2006 in the fourth round, he went on to play uh, university hockey, CIS, in New Brunswick. Um, and uh, a brief appearance uh, in the ECHL, four games there with, with Wheeling. Yeah. Um, but along the way, he, managed, he, he worked, uh, I believe it was as an intern, uh, in Ottawa uh, for the Molson Company, Molson Coors. And uh, so there's some connections there. Um, yeah. And uh, as we know, Trevor Timmons from the uh, Ottawa area. So um, uh, he, he did enough to impress the, the folks at uh, 
uh, at Molson, and uh, and he's going to be the new Western Canadian uh, scout, uh, amateur scout for the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, so uh, they they fill a hole there, and uh, it's it's good to get those types of things sorted early uh, when those holes appear. You get the guy that you want, and, and I guess they did in this case. Um, so, Rick, we'll move on to one of our favorite segments here on They Said What, uh, on this podcast, They Said What, and uh, this week we're going to go the avenue of playing our favorite clips from Canadians' availabilities this week. Uh, we, we will begin with the captain, Shea Weber, and uh, he describes the qualities of this team in their first five games. Uh, I mean, we've got depth. We've got a lot of guys, a lot of lines that can keep rolling, uh, 60, and, and obviously our goaltending's been solid as well. So um, that being said, I, we, we keep talking about staying out of the box. We've got to find a way to, to be more disciplined still. I think we've got to find that line that we can play on. As a, we want to be that physical team. We want to be that team that's hard to play against, but we've got to find a way to, to stop taking penalties. Boy, he's uh, his motor's running pretty quick. That yeah. Was, uh, um, <laughs> so he ran it down. Um, have depth. Have six defensemen. Solid goaltending. Um, we want to be hard to 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 play against, uh, but we have to find that line that that balance. Can't cross yeah. the line and uh, uh, have to stay out of the box. And the Canadians right now um, have the second most. Uh, minor penalties, uh, 26 in the league, um, 52 minutes from that, an extra five from a major. So 57 minutes in penalties uh, so far this year. Uh, it's uh, they've they've taken far too many penalties uh, in in the first five games. Yeah, and some of which, I mean, you can excuse some of them, and because it comes from that type of aggression of wanting to find that line and play above. You know, you don't you before you you don't want to ask a player for more. You don't you want to have to dial a player back. You don't want to have to ask them for more, right? That's that's sort of the general consensus. But yeah, once you find, as Shea Weber notes, you have to find the line and you have to play to that limit because yeah some of these penalties are just unnecessary a lot of offensive zone penalties a handful of delay of game penalties which are pretty frustrating but i mean what are you gonna i mean yeah puck over glass it's uh, not uh <laughs> that's a tough one but regardless yeah they do need to be uh, a little bit more disciplined but rick one of the more interesting things that's happened here is once they get on the penalty kill it's been relatively good <laughs> relatively good but the one thing that they have been doing is scoring some shorthanded goals, and Tyler Toffoli talking about that. Uh, yeah, I think we were just making good reads, the four of us on the ice um, at all times, putting a lot of pressure on them on the on the break-ins, and obviously they tried to make some plays, and we just you know got sticks on it and, and had little breaks. High risk, high rewards. Um, yeah. They are 19th in the league, uh, just 76% in penalty killing. You know, that was the goal this year is to... Um, to, to do much better than that. However, yeah. because of their uh, aggressive play, uh, they've been creating chances. As, as Toffoli said, they've been making good reads. Uh, the Montreal Canadiens have four in five games. They have four shorthanded goals, and that's, that's tops in the NHL right now. Yeah, and of course it was the 7-of-7 seven seven game the penalty kill had in Edmonton that I think might have... That might have set the bar a little bit too high for what this team really is. Might have been a bit of an anomaly because when they faced against the the Vancouver Canucks, they were brought back down to earth pretty quickly. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, it's yeah. it's you have to find that in between area where yeah, you are creating because 
this is a team that does have that. Jake Evans has been a revelation on that penalty kill. And Tyler DeFoley scored one as well. It's it's great to see them score these shorthanded goals. But yeah, the primary objective of killing the penalty that you take uh, should probably be uh, given a little bit more attention. Uh, but here is Jake Evans, the aforementioned Jake Evans, uh, describing the differences of this year's penalty kill. Well, I think the biggest thing is just being smart. As a group, we all have to be on the same page and know when we're going to force guys and when we're going to sit back. But the biggest thing when you're playing these top guys is I think you, you don't want to give them too much time and you don't want to make them feel comfortable. So I think with the added depth this year, there's a lot of guys that can PK. So we're going to be going all out when we're when we're out there and, and we can change quick and get some fresh guys out there too. So there's a couple of things in there uh, and difference from, from last year. They want to be aggressive. Uh, the key is not letting uh, the opposition, the power play, set up and get comfortable. Uh, they want to be disruptive that way, be aggressive. Uh, but but whether they're being aggressive or or there's times to you know to to uh, to to set and 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 sit back a bit, they want to do it all together. They want to be reading off of each other, the penalty killers. Um, and he mentioned that this year there are more. Uh, there are more players who are uh, adept at, at uh, playing on the penalty kill. So that allows uh, quicker substitutions, allows the guys to stay fresh, and allows them uh, to go full out while they're out there for a shorter shift. Yeah. And I mean, I think when you look at the personnel that have been out there, Jake Evans, I think, first and foremost, and we were talking about this before the show. When you think of who would be leading the penalty kill for the Montreal Canadiens, you would think that it would be Philip Deneau, but it but it's Jake Evans. Jake mm-hmm. Evans has been fantastic on the penalty kill. Listen, there's been, as you said, it's 76%, not at a great clip right now, but there's it's opportunities to improve that if you plug some of the holes that have been uh, present against Vancouver, who has really exploited their penalty kill, especially Bo, Bo Horvat in that bumper yeah. spot. He's been killing them. So if they can fill some of those holes, I think you can probably, you could get a better penalty kill. It also comes down to battling, tying guys up in front. Hasn't really been done. Brock Besser had one that was just a little tap in in front of the net. You know, those types of things where it's on the defenseman to battle for that position, which is what we sort of expected this team to be able to do. But as Jake Evans talked about there, this penalty kill, I think definitely has a little bit more potential than the one that we saw last year with more guys being able to kill penalties but how do you so you get to a penalty kill because you take a penalty some of these penalties haven't been great one of those was Jesperi Kotkaniemi who felt as though he might have been tripped by Brayden Holtby said a couple things to the official and then he was sent to the box for an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty and Brendan Gallagher uh, discussing that here yeah he obviously felt bad um to be honest he didn't say anything worse than anything I've been saying but uh it's a lesson that every young player learns I mean, you guys saw me my uh, my first couple seasons. I got taught that lesson as well, and, and he'll be fine. Um, you know, the referees, they like to to make a point with younger players to, you know, you got to show some respect, and there's got to be a relationship, a little give and take. Uh, I think he's going to learn a little bit quicker than I did. And, uh, you know, all I said to him was, you got a problem, just go to Webby, come to myself. Uh, we'll talk to the refs. It's not, a, it's not a problem at all. You know, Paul, same way. Uh, we're happy to do it for you. It's just, you know, early on in your careers, refs like to, to make a point just the way it is which is fair you understand it, you move on and uh you know i thought he responded well and he, he scored a big goal for us so Kakenyemi was really surprised i think uh because as gallagher said uh Kakenyemi didn't say anything we don't know exactly what the trigger yeah. was but he had he didn't 
say anything that other players uh, haven't said. Uh, so he was surprised and he was really disappointed in himself. He was really down on himself after the game, yeah. saying that he cost the uh, the Habs the game. He, di- he didn't. Uh, Julian wasn't happy with the penalty and actually uh, benched him for one shift. Now this is this is important because uh, this isn't the kind of Julian we've seen in in the past. He would have benched him the rest of the game, but he he uh, took him off that line for one shift. You know, sent him the message. I didn't like yep. that, um, and uh, and then got him right back in there. Um, Gallagher offered some very good advice. Listen, don't worry about it. However, refs are going to deal with you differently than they deal with me. Um, and, and if you have a problem, go to Webby, he'll go to the, uh, he'll go to the ref and, and, uh, and make the case for you. Uh, he, he has a lot more rope with the, with the, the officiating staff, uh, than you do. Um, so that's the way young players have to deal with these things. Is it, is it right? Is it fair? It's, it's kind of this silly rite of passage thing in the NHL yeah. that, that refs put everybody through. It's just the way it is. Yeah, anything worse than, than than Gallagher said. I don't know Brendan Gallagher to be somebody to say something inflammatory to an NHL official. He doesn't seem like that kind of guy. <laughs> really? I, I don't. I don't. I don't buy it. <laughs> but Rick, of course, the Canadians tonight wrapping up this road trip to open up their season. Bit of a prolonged road trip, but that affords the opportunity early in the season for these guys get to get to know each other. You know, hang out a little bit more. Obviously, it's a bit different. COVID, everything hanging over it. But obviously you can't do it the way the Washington Capitals uh, got caught for doing it. So, but, you know, still it's it's, it's an opportunity for some team building. And uh, Thomas Tatar touched on what it's like to start the season on a road trip. I think we're very happy we could spend the first two weeks together. The mood is great. Um, you know, we, we want to remain humble, though, you know, keep working hard and um, do our job. Uh, but the, the confidence there for sure. And I just wanted to say, I think we're having a lot of fun all together. That's that's big important for sure. So there was a bit of a theme with our first four clips, and that was around penalties yeah. and penalty killing. We thought we'd end uh, with the last two on kind of a happier note. And Thomas Tatar is is happy. He talks about the yeah. mood being great. Uh, he enjoys uh, being with uh, the group. There's a lot of confidence. Uh, we're all having a lot of fun um, when when uh, the team is is successful. It's a bit easier that way, but. Uh, um, he seems to, to, as many players uh, said, that there's value in spending the, the first two weeks on the road uh, as a young team uh, with a lot of new members to be able to uh, bond and, uh, and, and grow and learn about each other. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's something that I think benefits a certain kind of team. And I think that this is the Mon- this Montreal Canadiens team. I think they've got enough, enough depth that they can handle that type of grueling start to the season where you've got some back-to-backs, you've been on the road for a while. So I think that they've got uh, enough depth that they can handle that and they get back home to face Calgary. That'll be a, a nice energy boost as well. Uh, but Rick, we'll start, or excuse me, we'll, we'll end the segment of They Said What uh, with Alexander Romanov. And uh, he's been talking about right here what the factors have been in the team's success to start the season. I think because we're playing hard, uh, we had many hits in the game. Uh, we're playing like a team. We're playing like a family. Keys to success. Play yeah. hard, play like a team, play like a family. Yep. It, <laughs> you know what? I, th- I think that uh, 
if he keeps on like this, Alexander Romanov is going to have a permanent spot for us on They Said, they what, said what because his <laughs> clips are fabulous. Uh, love that. Love that clip. Yeah. I mean, and Jesperi Kotkaniemi, I mean, before is before They Said What, but he, he was he did the kind of things and he was saying the types of things that Alexander Romanov was saying. But yeah, it's it's just it's great to see that type of uh, that sort of candid nature that 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 young guys have with the media before they get into you know the the more of the cliches. Right. <laughs> uh, it's it's good to get them early, right? So, uh, <laughs> Rick, we'll move on to some NHL news and notes. And Rick, we touched on this to start the show that there was some NHL news that came out earlier today, and it. Put an end, it tied an end, uh, bow, excuse me. Uh, it, it brought to an end this saga in Columbus that has been going on for what seems like months. It's only been weeks. <laughs> it feels like it's been going on forever. This has only emerged in the last, uh, well, maybe the last month or so. And that's been Pierre-Luc Dubois, who, of course, requested a trade uh, before he came to an agreement on the contract that he signed with the Columbus Blue Jackets he still wanted that trade, and the things that came out of that, be it the quotes from John Tortorella, who we played here last week, confirming, strangely confirming that Pierre-Luc Dubois did in fact want out of Columbus, and then he got benched in a game against the Tampa Bay Lightning, did not play after the first period, ended with less than four minutes of ice time in that game. And if you saw the clip, and it's on social media, uh, First Ohio Battery, I believe, is the one that tweeted it out, as everyone was wondering, what the hell is John Tortorella doing? He's killing the trade value. Well, if you go and watch that clip, I think you can all agree that John Tortorella was well within his rights to sit that guy down after that shift. And graciously, it all came to an end earlier today, as Habs fans were wondering if they, in fact, might be in the mix, because Pierre Lebrun tweeted last night, that they were in the mix. So Canadians fans may be thinking, are we about to make a big move for a French a Quebecois centerman in Pierre-Luc Dubois? And uh, in fact, no, they did not. It was the Winnipeg Jets who gave up Patrick Laine and Jack Roslovic for Pierre-Luc Dubois and a third-round pick. I believe it was 2022, a 2022 third-round pick. So Rick... Uh, yeah, this all came to an end, and as I said, it, it feels like it's been months. It, it's it's not been. Uh, it's it's just been a very bizarre story that has been going on the past few weeks. What a story! I mean, really, yeah. what a story! And uh, as we detailed uh, last week, and uh, if you missed it, go back at, to CanadiansConnection.com, CanadiansConnection.com. Look for episode one nineteen. That was last week, and we talked about Mark Bergevin's long-burning interest yeah. uh, that, that goes back to the 2016 uh, draft in Buffalo uh, for Pierre-Luc Dubois and, and his overtures that he made then. Um, and we know right up until last night, uh, there was an awful lot of suitors for uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois. Uh, and the Canadians were in the top three. It was said uh, that uh, the Winnipeg Jets, the ultimate uh, uh, winner, I guess, uh, the Montreal Canadiens and the Anaheim Ducks were had uh, submitted the the best offers for Pierre Luc Dubois. Uh, but that 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 trade that you specified, boy, um, Yarmo Kekalainen did really well in getting yeah. both Lina 
and uh, and Jack Roslovic, who you and I both like. Uh, and the Jets retain 26% of uh, yep. Patrick Linus' salary to, to even out the cap issues. Uh, so they did really well. Um, as you said, it all kind of came to... I, the, the whole part, everything about this story was just bizarre. Uh, yeah. To have a 22-year-old uh, like Dubois really hasn't, uh, you know, doesn't have uh, an established uh, resume yet uh, in the National Hockey League. Um, uh, stood before his team, his teammates, and said, uh, he addressed them and said, I, I don't want to be here. Um, and then what? You know, as we said yeah. last week, that's tough. Um, and in that game uh, where he was benched, as you correctly said, watch that clip. Uh, Dubois was terrible, and it ended with him, um, uh, you know, pursuing uh, the puck and then when when two of the opposition players showed up he just gave up he just stood there and gave yeah. up uh, yeah. and watched them go the other way it was awful there is no coach as you said in the pre in the pre-show there's no there's no coach uh that would have allowed him with integrity that would have allowed him to get away with that it was it was terrible uh yeah. we recall the the uh the press conference, uh, which he was uh, miserable um, until asked uh, a question from a, a, a francophone reporter. Um, all of this is, 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 you know, casts a big shadow. And, and I think given the package that, um, that, that the Winnipeg Jets had to give up in order to get Pierre-Luc Dubois, uh, I think we consider this uh, a real win for Mark Bergevin in not making a move because yes. I would be awfully afraid uh, to see what had to go the other way if uh, he, if he was successful and and uh, you know um, I you you have to figure that uh, Kakalainen was wanting uh, one of Kakinemi or Romanov or uh, Suzuki um, and and. Uh, Given the the, uh, the the potential and and the cost certainty, um, it just doesn't make sense. However, we know that this was a big deal uh, with uh, our francophone Canadians fans. Uh, we've we've heard from them. Uh, they want a, um, a francophone superstar uh, uh, who has the potential to be elite. Uh, we saw um, Michelle Bergeron, and not that he's. Um, you know, um, uh, known to have uh, uh, rational thoughts, but he said, uh, in this case, if you have the opportunity to to get Pierre-Luc Dubois, there should be no untouchables. You should be willing to give anyone uh, to get him. Uh, on the other hand, uh, we had former Canadian center um, David DeHarnay saying, um, the Montreal Canadiens don't need him. This is a quote. Canadians don't need him. It's that simple. Team's doing very well right now as it is. Yeah. Um, which I think uh, seems to be the prevailing prevailing view uh, that um, it would have disrupted the team, especially for a guy who's uh, shown this selfish, selfish kind of disgruntled behavior. Um, boy, I, you know, I I wish I wish I'd. I like the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, I, I want to see them do well. Um, you know, maybe the connection uh, there uh, with uh, with his dad, who's an assistant coach with the Manitoba Moose. 
uh, will help him get back on track. Will help him, uh, you know, see the error in his ways. Uh, let's yeah. hope so. Uh, we've seen it hasn't worked out uh, in other situations. We saw Jonathan Drouin with his holdout in Tampa, and and uh, then he's exhibited some. You know, it hasn't worked out the 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 Sergachev trade. Um, let's hope Dubois can can turn his uh, turn the page on this and and get uh, headed in the the right direction with the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, and I mean, sometimes the best trades you make are the ones that you don't. And Mark Bergevin, I mean, after, as you mentioned, that Sergachev for Drouin trade, it could have been uh, something that it could have been a replication of that. It was not. Montreal, I, I'm assuming, stood firm. <laughs> We're not willing to give up one of Suzuki or Kotkaniemi or Romanov. And there you go. Uh, Winnipeg is eventually the team that does, in fact, get him. And, I mean, Winnipeg was also, uh, given the fact, to varying degrees, uh, although Patrick Laine did handle his wanting out of Winnipeg a little bit more gracefully than, than Pierre-Luc Dubois. Actually, a lot more gracefully and he's played Pierre-Luc well. Dubois. And he's played well. And Jack Roslovic also did not report, did not want to be in Winnipeg. So you had two guys that were a little bit unhappy to varying degrees getting traded for a guy who obviously was not happy where he was and as you said uh, Dubois father in the Jets organization hopefully that'll that'll sort itself out but Rick we'll move on because there is one more very interesting story that concerns the Montreal Canadiens that came out this week Uh, Philip Deneau was offered a six-year, $30 million deal. This according to Matthias Brunet of La Presse. Back before Brendan Gallagher signed his contract, so between the Jeff Petrie contract being signed and Brendan Gallagher signing his contract, Philip Deneau was offered a six-year deal worth $30 million, and he turned it down. Wow. Yeah. Um. Uh, we've talked about this before, um, about the kind of estimates and the kinds of numbers that we would be comfortable with. Um, I, I've said kind of up to a maximum of, of $5 million. I certainly wouldn't want to see um, a six-year term on it, though. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, I, I think this combined with the fact that uh, Dano had said at the end of the playoffs... Um, uh, you know, I have no interest in being in Montreal if my role is going to change. Uh, I've proven myself, uh, and I'm paraphrasing, I've proven myself uh, both offensively and defensively, and there's no reason for it to change. When he was asked about the emergence of Nick Suzuki and Jesperi Kotkaniemi, and perhaps, as he was used in the playoffs, bumped down to a, a third-pairing role. Um, he wasn't very happy with that and said he wouldn't be interested in signing if, if that was going to, if his role was going to be uh, a third line defensive forward, uh, defensive center. Um, it's, uh, those, those, he, he's known for, for being, uh, brutally honest and, and perhaps, uh, sometimes curt. Um, and, uh, those comments turned a lot of Habs fans, uh, the wrong way. Yeah. Uh, now, some said that that he kind of walked that back um, at the beginning of, of training camp, um, but I don't I don't know his his quote was um, 
um, yes, I'm I'm willing to play where I'm needed as long as I continue to play with Tatar and Gallagher. So put me on the third line if you want, as long as it's with Tatar and Gallagher. Well, yeah. I don't know if if that's uh, walking his comments back or not. Listen, uh, uh, Phil Deneau is uh, a valuable player in a defensive role. I think he's going to be his role is going to be usurped uh, by Suzuki, certainly by Suzuki, and and uh, perhaps soon by uh, Kakinyemi as well. Phil Deneau in the seven three win um, on Thursday night. Um, played uh, just eight and a half minutes even strength, um, uh, some some power play and shorthanded time. And, and as you said, he's not the go-to guy on the penalty kill anymore. He's on the no. third rotation, the third substitution. Uh, so he only played 11 and a half minutes in that game. Uh, part of the reason he went four for 12, only 33% on the faceoff, which is supposed to be one of his strengths. Um, while the younger guys, uh, Nick Suzuki was 63% on, on face-offs. Um, and, uh, I think Kakinyemi was, yes, Kakinyemi was even better than that at 63%. So, um, it's a difficult situation. Uh, Mark Bergevin in his offer, as you said, six years at $5 million, their comparables who they're, they're, uh, seeing him as is a JG Pajot kind of guy. Yeah. Uh, that's 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 the kind of money uh, that they've offered him. Uh, the Dano camp sees himself uh, as as more of a Brock Nelson. Uh, I don't see him anywhere near Brock Nelson, yeah. but uh, <laughs> uh, six year at six million. Um, that's the reported ask from the Dano camp is six million a year. Uh, he's dreaming, and, and 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 maybe Bergevin goes that way, but uh, that's going to cause a mess of cap issues in a yeah. team that's already very, very tight to the cap. And, and look, the Montreal Canadiens are in a position here because you would assume that, I mean, six years, $30 million, that before the Gallagher contract, there has to be something that gets cut at, cut into that, right? Like that, They can't table that same offer without, as you said, some major cap implications, whether it be trades that you'd have to make and whether or not you could even make those trades right now, given that we're living in a flat cap world, given that teams have their own cap problems. Like It's not easy to make those types of types of moves with, those, with that money moving around. So if you're the Montreal Canadiens... You look at, right now, you have Nick Suzuki and Jesperi Kotkaniemi, who have already sort of displaced Philip Deneau in that they are top six centermen getting that penalty kill. Well, not not really, but getting that power play time. I mean, like that that's really where the value is in having those two guys, is the fact that even though they're not playing on the top line, either one of them, um, they are getting that power play time. They are the ones that are creating offense. Their lines have been driving offense a little bit more than Philip Deneau's line has, and that isn't exactly surprising. So if you were the Montreal Canadiens with those two guys, and then you have Jake Evans, and you also have Ryan Paling on the taxi squad, you are in a position right now where you can say, well, we're already spending all of this money. We we, we don't have the, we, we cannot keep Philip Deneau at more than $5 million. And six years, by the way, as you correctly pointed out, that's a long-term to give to Philip Deneau. So when you have all these guys that you've drafted and developed these guys, you're at a point right now where you could say love, peace and hair grease and say, listen, man, go get what you think you, you, you've earned. You're not getting it here. <laughs> you're not getting it here. So 
that to me is is the major thing that I look at. And Philip Deneau got a got a hell of a of a compliment this week from Nathan McKinnon, who said that he was one of the more tougher, annoying guys to play against in the NHL. Mm-hmm. But that I still don't know if he's worth six million annually, especially not at a term like six years, five or six years at six million dollars is is quite a lot to spend on Philip Deneau. But uh, Rick. <laughs> We'll take our break, our first break here after that uh, that conversation regarding Philip Deneau. We'll talk about some of the guys the Montreal Canadiens spent money on this past offseason, including Tyler Toffoli, who played great against Vancouver, Josh Anderson, Joel Edmondson, Jake Allen, and others. Stay with us here on the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. Rocket Sports Media is currently recruiting talented, motivated, and committed people to join our team. If you're a student wishing to gain experience, a young professional interested in broadening your credentials, an experienced hockey mind looking for a platform to share your expertise, or a passionate fan looking to contribute to our publications by connecting with fellow hockey fans, we want to hear from you. If you are bright, loyal, passionate, and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team, visit allhabs.net and click the Join Our Team tab today. In every city around the world, sports fans flock to popular watering holes to share a few pints, some good grub, and to cheer for their team. Think your favorite sports bar deserves to be recognized? Or are you traveling to a new place and need to find the perfect spot to watch a game? HockeyPub.com is the answer. Find out where the best spots are in your city to eat, drink, and meet fellow fans. HockeyPub.com. Want the latest Habs news with game previews, reviews, and highlights? How about full coverage of development camps and special events? Looking to follow the Laval Rocket more closely this season? Perhaps you'd like to learn more about team prospects. Would you like a place to socialize with hockey fans all over the world? We've got what you're looking for at allhabs.net, the place where you'll find everything you need to be the most informed and connected Habs fan around. Allhabs.net. And welcome back to the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. I'm Joe Whalen. You can find me on Twitter at Joe Whalen 19 with me in studios, the president and founder of Rocket Sports, Rick Stevens. You can follow him at all Habs on Twitter and you can follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram and visit uh, CanadiansConnection.com, which is our website. So, Rick, um, this week we are going to revisit a big topic that we had Two weeks ago, back on episode 118, we attempted to answer the question, which Habs newcomer will make the biggest impact this season? I made the argument for Josh Anderson. You made the argument for Tyler Toffoli. But there are other guys in the mix here. The Canadians did uh, add some other guys, and and one of which we might see tonight make his debut is Corey Perry, who we're not going to talk about here Mm -hmm. because we haven't seen him yet. But he will play tonight as well. But you also have Joel Edmondson. You have Jake Allen, who we took out of the conversation last or a couple of weeks ago, because presumably, if he's going to be the backup to Carey Price and is going to get a lot of of games in this condensed, compressed season, 
his, his impact is going to be pretty big. So mm-hmm. we had the conversation, Josh Anderson versus Tyler Toffoli. So let's, let's preface all of this by saying everything that we're about to say is way too early to be saying Way it. too early. We shouldn't be <laughs> saying this at all. It's illegal to say this stuff. <laughs> it's five games into a 56-game season. Granted, there isn't as much time left to go as there usually is, but there is still a considerable amount left to go in this season. But five games gives us enough of a sample size that we can sort of look at what has happened to this point and maybe make some accurate projections. Perhaps not. But it is, it is very early in this season. But we're going to attempt to do that as a bit of a follow-up to the conversation that we had two weeks ago. And the primary reason for doing this, I think, is because we needed to have a segment here where we talk about Tyler Toffoli out of this week. Because <laughs> my God, wow. was he fantastic against... And listen, as I as I pointed out, the Kod Kanyami line didn't translate. Their, their effort hadn't translated into goals until that those two games against Vancouver. You just knew. You had, I, I knew at least, I, I don't know if, I won't speak for everyone else. I had a feeling that Tyler Toffoli was going to score in his return to Vancouver. It just had to happen. Uh, I did not expect a hat trick in his first game and then follow it up on the second night of a back-to-back with two more and an assist. That I did not see coming. Uh, but boy, oh boy, he was fantastic. He was absolutely fantastic against Vancouver. He was. And when's the last time that you look at the NHL's goal-scoring leaders yeah. <laughs> and you see a Montreal Canadian? And there, I mean, yeah. there's Tyler Toffoli. There he is with Travis Konechny of Philadelphia, Bo Horvat, uh, who we'll see again tonight of Vancouver. Uh, all three of them tied for the league's goal-scoring league uh, at lead at five. Um, and, and listen, uh, Tyler Toffoli is, is doing it, um, in many different ways. Um, yep. he's got a shorthanded goal. He's got a power play goal. Uh, he's got three even strength goals. Um, and uh, as you said, it was kind of a, uh, a bit of a slow start, but, but, um, not a slow start, but, but as far as production wise, yeah. uh, I thought that, that, and and uh, Claude Julian said this uh, as well, that that line, the Kotkaniemi line with Armia and Toffoli were doing all the right things. They just weren't getting the, the production. And then yes. the, uh, the scoring floodgates uh, were opened. And, um, and Tyler Toffoli, what, what an amazing uh, two-game performance there uh, in Vancouver. Um, he was my choice. I have, a, I have the early lead. Uh, yes. Then, yeah. uh, however, we're we're uh, <laughs> we're going to evaluate this at the end. I'm not quite sure how it is. Tyler Toffoli yeah. has seven points, uh, and Josh Anderson has three uh, right now. Uh, all goals, three goals, no assists. Uh, Josh Anderson had the the early lead, and and I said that um, you know I kind of agreed with you that if he stayed healthy. Um, uh, Josh Anderson could have the the biggest impact as far as the newcomers uh, on this these new additions uh, made by Mark Bergevin, um, and and you know he he kind of uh, came out of the gates really strong and he's played really well. He's added that physical yeah. pre- uh, presence and um, and speed, um, and uh, there was some you know. 
I, I was curious. Uh, he, he missed a couple of shifts. He went off the, I was, I was worried about the injury issue, the full season. Uh, there was, uh, some things happening, uh, during the games where he, where he seemed to go off for some repairs, uh, but fingers crossed, he seems okay, and uh, I think uh, Josh Anderson is going to be right up there and doing fine as well. Yeah, man. I mean, he scored a goal this week, and it was uh, I, I've made the connection between what this season looks like in terms of a scheduling, uh, in terms of scheduling with these little mini series. I've likened it to baseball. And uh, Josh Anderson with a nice bunt out of midair uh, for that yeah, goal right. he scored against Vancouver, uh, making it even a little bit more apparent. But yeah, he had a goal this week as well. Coming off of, uh, listen, I think in, in in Edmonton, not quite as effective as he was in the debut against the Leafs. There was a little bit of, of a downward trend in his play. But against Vancouver, we saw a little bit more of the physicality. I think he had four hits in the first game, also had two minor penalties. I, I'm I'm more okay with him taking penalties than I am with anyone else because I think his are born out of just the getting after it type of thing where, as I said earlier, you'd rather have to ask, you'd rather have to dial a player back than ask for more. And, and Josh Anderson is sort of giving that effort, although for everybody on the Montreal Canadiens, you'd like them to stop taking some of these penalties because they're a little bit unnecessary. Uh, but Rick, we'll move on because... One guy who has had the attention all year, as we, we we noted at the end of They Said What, is Alexander Romanoff. And this week, he scored his first NHL goal against the Edmonton Oilers. And um, it wasn't the, you know, the sort of the big slap shot. It wasn't the the, the theatrics of the first goal. It was, a, it was a wrister from the point. It managed to get its way through uh, Miko Koskinen. And, and, hey, he's not going to complain about his first NHL goal. Uh, he should not. He certainly should not, given the way that he's uh, been playing to start this season. And yeah, he's he's been impressive. And he was the guy that we mentioned, I think, as the dark horse for this. And I don't know if it was, uh, <laughs> it might have been a little bit too, uh, uh, maybe dark horse is the wrong term because I think he's been probably as effective or even more effective than both the guys we just said. <laughs> well, yeah, he, he got his, as you said, first goal. He has an assist, has a power play point, um, is playing... 18 minutes and 44 seconds on average a, a game, uh, which is surprising in and itself. Um, and uh, what's what's surprising, though, for me is that Alexander Romanov is tied for third on the Montreal Canadiens in shots taken. Not, wow. At, not, not on defense, <laughs> not for defensemen, no. for everyone, for all players. Um, we have 20, uh, Brendan Gallagher's leading the way with 20 shots. Uh, Tyler Toffoli um, with 18 shots and a 28% shooting percentage, by the way. Oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> and then we have Josh Anderson and Alexander Romanov tied for the third most shots with 16 uh, yeah. that's more than Nick Suzuki. That's more than Kakinemi. That's more than Shea Weber. Um, he's, uh, he's getting involved in, in the, uh, offense and getting shots to the goal. Yeah. And I mean, the reason that I say, because obviously you look at, as you said, Tyler Toffoli, you look at the NHL goals leaders. Yeah. He's been fantastic. He, he's at, he's at the top of the list for goal scores, which was the last time that you saw that from a Montreal Canadian. 
But when you look at Alexander Romanov, he just impacts the game. You can already tell that his presence is helping out this team so much because it isn't all on Jeff Petrie to move the puck. He isn't the only guy back there because that was a concern. That was a concern when you formulate, you have this team with the idea and the mindset they're all going to be physical guys, Sherratt, Edmondson, Shea Weber. Moving the puck is going to be a bit of a concern, and Alexander Romanov has answered all of those questions, any type of concern, because he can move the puck with a crisp outlet pass. He can move the puck with his feet. He can get up the ice. And yeah, he takes a lot of shots. He gets pucks on net, which is a huge thing. Because if you look at the alternative of, okay, if it's not Alexander Romanov who's in the lineup, it's 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 Victor Mete. And I, I like Victor Mete. I think that, you know, he's been given a bit of a, of a tough task in, in the early, you know, stages of his career. But... You know, he's not somebody that gets the puck on net, at least not with the type of velocity as Alexander Romanov does. He just can't get the puck through. So Alexander Romanov being there, the puck movement, the shooting, and I mean, he's not shied away from physical play either. Unfortunately, ended up on a bit of a a highlight reel for the wrong reason with that Sutter goal. Uh, But that's going to happen. He's going to he's going to, you know, make a, a bad read or, you know, something won't go his way every now and then. That's just how the game goes. But he has been fantastic and I think as effective as as both the guys that we picked for the most um the uh the most impactful Canadians in our predictions a couple of weeks ago I think that he's just been right up there with them um maybe Tyler Toffoli's hat trick and two goals against Vancouver might put him a little bit head and shoulders above the rest but Alexander Romanoff is is certainly in that conversation um Rick, we will move to the goaltender the Canadians brought in because, yeah, when you look at the Montreal Canadiens, they committed a little bit more to goaltending in terms of payroll this year. $4 million plus for Jake Allen this year. And, of course, it does take a dip to $2 million in the years to come. But Jake Allen, $4 million for this year. So you want to play him as much as you can to get value out of this contract. And they started him on Monday, coming off of a good performance from Carey Price, a great performance from Carey Price between the pipes. And you might have thought maybe they go back to Carey Price on the Monday, though you did have that three-game set with Vancouver coming up where you did probably want to go Price, Allen, Price. So starting Jake Allen on the Monday did make a lot of sense. And listen, he's a backup goaltender. He did his job. He gave Carey Price a night of rest. And he didn't give up four or five goals, which, I mean, Keith Kincaid and Auntie Niemi the past two years, uh, that was the expectation of a backup goaltender. So <laughs> you've gotten you've gotten more solid play in the first two games. Granted, not, a, not all that much to do in the second one against Vancouver, but solid when he was asked to, to make a save every now and then. And it's interesting because there's been a change in in the philosophy of way the, the way the the uh, Canadians um, coaching staff uses their backup goaltender. Previously, it's been when you know Carey Price Price is desperate for some rest. Uh, yes, they then okay, we'll put in uh, one of our backup we'll, goaltenders. We'll tie Antiniemi up to the net and yeah. see. <laughs> But this time, um, it seems that they're committed to a two-thirds, one-third split. Um, yeah. You know, uh, there's uh, it, it wasn't a, a situation where Carey Price was needing the rest, but there was two games this week to get yeah. Jake Allen some some work. Um, and, and you know, his first start, um, there was... Uh, there was 
he hadn't played in a very long time. And, yes, he, and he looked yeah. a bit rusty in the first period, uh, giving up a lot of rebounds. But, um, you know, he, he got his legs under him. And uh, after that, his positioning was much better. He was solid, uh, directing rebounds. And, and um, you know, after the game, I... Um, you always have that question with uh, with goaltenders, especially uh, in their in their debut. Were they good? Were they lucky? Uh, did they get a lot of help? And uh, I said yes, yes, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> he there was a lot of irons, so he got lucky. Uh, yeah. He got a lot of help from his defenseman clearing the puck, uh, but he was also solid uh, for for two periods uh, in his debut. As you said on on Thursday. Uh, through 40 minutes of the game, he only had 10 shots, facing 10 shots. Yeah. Uh, the Canadians were dominating uh, Vancouver. So a light start, that's all right. Make the saves uh, when when the puck comes your way. Uh, and uh, he's got two wins in his first two games. And that's all, you, you know, that's what you want from your backup goaltender. Yeah. And I mean, in that game against Vancouver, he kicked out a rebound directly to Jonathan Drouin, who was at the boards, who made the pass to Nick Suzuki, went in alone. Uh, Demko stopped that one, but there was Josh Anderson on the aforementioned bunt goal that I talked about. So, you know, if you can you can do things like that, and I mean, listen, <laughs> you know, when you have your backup goaltender in, in the net, the alarm bells are ringing a little bit more, you know? You're hearing it a little bit more. You're a little bit more tuned in to what's going on because you know that that's not your lead guy. That's not, that's not Carey Price back there. You want to make his night a little bit easier, and, and you know that the, uh, the attention to detail is going to be all the more important because he's not going to be able to bail you out the way that Carey Price can bail you out with some big saves. So... For me, I mean, when you look at the fact that Josh, uh, or excuse me, Jake Allen, a little bit more serviceable, someone that, you know, is a, is a steady hand between the pipes, you can sort of rely on every now and then for a save that you don't necessarily think that he can make, uh, as opposed to what has been a bit of a, a, a you know, a, an unfortunate situation for the Canadians the past couple of years with guys that were not able to make those types of saves or bring that stability. So uh, good that they've been able to get that out of Jake Allen for two games and you you hope that that continues uh, going forward because Carey Price is going to need some rest as the season goes and Jake Allen will have ample opportunity to be that backup that solid backup that he was uh, in those two games so Rick will bring this to a close with a former teammate well current teammate of Jake Allen of course but also a former teammate in St. Louis Joel Edmondson, and and Joel Edmondson's been a bit of a curious case because uh, you know he hasn't been, hasn't he's not the type of defenseman that's going to shine anyways. Um, he hasn't been great on the penalty kill. He's struggled a little bit, but hey, he leads the league in plus minus at plus eight. Some of that might have to do with Jeff Petrie being second at plus seven, but hey, he leads the league <laughs> in plus minus at plus eight. Well, if that makes him feel good, that's that's great. He's got uh, he's got some work to do. Um, you know, he's he's not going to be uh, a contributor offensively, and that was no. well known. And there's no expectation there. What is was expected is for him to be a strong defender and and a good addition to the penalty kill. He has not been that yet. Uh, we saw some progress over. Um, the first few games, and then uh, in the game against Vancouver on Thursday, took a a, a major uh, step backwards. Um, he 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 seems afraid to make a mistake now. Um, he 
spent much of the game with his feet firmly planted in front of uh, uh, Jake Allen, and um, and he was so in that way he was uh, losing races for the puck, for loose pucks. He was uh, he was losing battles uh, in front of the net, losing board battles. Um, he needs to be better. Uh, he knows he needs to be better. Um, the team knows he needs to be better, but this is a key person on the back end uh, in their defensive scheme. Uh, he has dished out some pretty heavy hits. That's good to see. Yeah. Um, he he still complains about uh, trying to get used to dealing with a new partner in Jeff Petrie, dealing with a new system, the zone system, rather than man-to-man. Uh, but maybe he should have a chat with uh, Alexander Romanoff about that, who's dealing with uh, those issues, uh, dealing with a new partner, dealing with uh, a new uh, zone defense, dealing with a new ice surface, uh, yeah. dealing with uh, language culture, uh, all of those kinds of things. He seems yeah. to be doing all right. So uh, more is expected of, of Edmondson. We're not thrown in the towel just yet. No. Uh, and we've seen uh, you know some, uh, some imp- improvement. And uh, and hope that he follows uh, the the Sherat kind of model, in that once he gets more comfortable, he's going to start exhibiting the kind of play that he was brought in for. Yeah, and I mean that's that's a great point too because we were having these types of conversations about Ben Sherat last year, so it can be done. Um, but yeah, when Mark Bergevin, we we talked about that with Mark Bergevin. Um, saying that he brought in Joel Edmondson because he needed a five six defenseman. Uh, someone to play in that that sort of bottom pair, but that's that's a lot of money to spend on a guy in your bottom pair. So you'd hope that he sort of figures this all out and and can be an effective partner for Jeff Petrie. Um, but yeah, we will see how this all. As we said, it's five games into the season, much too early for any of these conversations. But it's still enough of a sample size that we felt comfortable we could have these conversations. It's a bit of a follow up. But Rick, before we move on. To tie a bow on all this, uh, we have a clip from Joel Edmondson uh, describing the atmosphere of the team from the perspective of a new guy on it. Just a, a great group of guys. It's a great locker room to walk into, and uh, it's a team that everyone works works their ass off. So um, it's fun to be around, um, and you know, just this, we got to spend quality time in the hotel together and around the rink. So um, I'm get, getting to know each guy more and more each day. So mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to the rest of the season. Uh, apologies, Joel Edmondson did not know this is a family show, uh, but <laughs> very direct there, very blunt. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, he sounds like he's having a good time anyway. He sounds like he's getting to know uh, people and that he feels welcomed. Uh, he talked about uh, how uh, the leaders have uh, uh, s- certainly set the direction in the locker room and he has enjoyed uh, the um, the the verbal uh, communication of Brendan Gallagher in the locker room, apparently <laughs> uh, Gallagher, which you wouldn't be surprised about, has no. a lot to say no. in, in the locker room. And, uh, and Joel Edmondson, um, you know, as he feels more comfortable, um, as he uh, feels more comfortable with the team and on the ice and with his, his uh, defense partner, hopefully uh, we'll uh, get on the right track here. Absolutely. And yeah, as we said, five games, he does lead the league in plus minus, though, so he can. there's a feather in his cap. Uh, Rick, we will take our final break here on the Canadians Connection podcast. When we return, we got a question of the week. Um, are you relieved that Pierre-Luc Dubois has been traded to a team that is not the Montreal Canadiens? Uh, we will get to responses 
uh, to that question and much more after a quick break. Stay with us here on the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. The Canadians Connection is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. I bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jerseys, dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear, and showing off your decked out hockey cave or fan ink. Well, don't just show your friends, show your Habs. The team at All Habs wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. Include the hashtag ShowYourHabs when posting your fan photos on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Then log on to ShowYourHabs.com to see your entries, along with photos and posts from Habs fans all over the world. A proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. Visit Rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us regarding this unique marketing opportunity. For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, log in to allhabs.net, your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net. And welcome back to episode 120 of the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. You can follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and visit our website at CanadiansConnection.com. Uh, Rick, we uh, we wanted to provide a little bit of a fantasy hockey update here because uh, that's been something that over the past few years, when we've had the opportunity that we have done because... I would like to let people know when I'm succeeding, and um, <laughs> when I'm not, I don't really say much, but I'm currently up 9-2 to two, uh, in my matchup for this really? week, uh, which is great. Yeah, I've, uh, I've, I've steadied the ship a little bit. It was a bit of a rough start, I have to be honest. Uh, Frederick Anderson between the pipes uh, let me down a little bit um, <laughs> in, the early, in the early going, but he's, he's steadied himself, and uh, he's found a way to, to produce a little bit. Um, and yeah, other than that, I mean, I can't complain. I've got Shea Weber on my team. He's been great. Josh Anderson. They, I mean, they've been, they've been getting a lot of penalty minutes, which has helped me out with those, with that category. So that's been good. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I can't complain. I'm up nine, two right now, uh, and hoping to finish out the weekend, uh, with it, with a big victory to get this season going. Now my matchup is a little bit tighter, uh, seven, five, as we speak with a, a couple days to go. Um, and the you know I'm 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 reasonably happy with uh, with my lineup. Um, as we know, I I picked first, and that was Connor McDavid. Yeah. Uh, I picked last, and that was Alexander Romanov, and and both have been uh, 
just fine for me. I should mm-hmm. uh, send a message out to uh, Phil Deneau that he is not on my team, but Brock Nelson is on my team. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, my, my downfall has been goaltending. And you think, yeah. you know, uh, in my other friends and family league, I have Carey Price, I have Vasilevsky, and I have Hellebuck, which... Man, um, oh, man. I know. How did you pull that off? Amazing. <laughs> uh, in in this league, our All Habs uh, uh, Yahoo Fantasy League, I have Elvis Merzlikens, I have mm-hmm. uh, Saros, and uh, Ilya Samsonov, who is now in COVID protocol yeah. with that mess. So I brought in mm-hmm. Jake Allen to uh, to, to help uh. out. Um <laughs> Uh, it's it's been tough um you know the the thing as i i go through, our commissioner brian uh bz05 on on twitter uh has been our commissioner since i think it's 10 years now we've been doing this um and this year he invited his son to play you know it's a it's a good bonding moment uh, father yeah. and son get to play fantasy sports together Absolutely. Um, yeah, and and Jordan was ex- he was excited at the draft. Uh, he was excited uh, to be uh, allowed in the league, kind of a rite of passage, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, as it turns out, uh, Commissioner Father and uh, newly sworn member manager uh, are facing each other this week. And right now, um, Commissioner Dad is pummeling his poor son eleven to one. Now, I think wow. that's outrageous. I think yeah. there uh, there should be laws it's, against that. Yeah, that's 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 just awful. And and listen, I I can't I, I can't fathom because he Jordan made some really good picks he in did. that draft. I was I, I can't understand how he's not uh, you know at eleven to one. That just seems like. Yeah, that seems outrageous. But yeah, I think Brian might have rigged something here. I think that this we might need to we might need to look into that. I, I don't know. Uh, we got a few. <laughs> we, we've got uh, our our um, our listeners in here. We've got our yeah, contributors yeah. in here. Yeah. Sam, who does our game pre- previews, is up uh, seven to four. And Mike, uh, Mike Rashel, um, him with his best buddy Shane, uh, they're locked up in a matchup, and uh, Shane is. Uh, is uh, got the upper hand right now at eleven to three. So, uh, wow. oh, and a- Amy Johnson, uh, she's down seven to six. Um, oh, that's a shame. So, <laughs> you that's guys have a, a rivalry, don't you? <laughs> uh, I don't know. If, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. I'm just, I'm just expressing that that is uh, that's a shame that she I is see. currently down seven to six and I'm up nine to two. Uh-huh. Uh, I just wanted to say that that I am up nine to two. You know, because it's. Said it's that, yeah. It's a different it's a different spot to be, you know, it's um, yeah. But anyways, Rick, we have a question of the week this week and we actually had to change our question of the week because there was the trade that came out. And before that, we were going to ask if Canadians fans should get excited about the prospect of potentially trading for Pierre-Luc Dubois. But now we ask the question, are you relieved? Because I think that this is something that's divided the fan base. You know, obviously you have the francophone portion the Quebecois portion of the Montreal Canadiens fan base that would love to have a Quebecois-born centerman. And, you know, Pierre-Luc Dubois is a fine player. I don't think that what we saw out of him in this to begin the season in Columbus is a representation of what he is, but it's it's still a pretty, you know, sort of damning thing that we've seen unfold here. It hasn't been, you know, uh, not, not a whole lot of class and grace that's been sort of uh, portrayed by Pierre-Luc Dubois here. But we asked the simple question, 
our fans relieved that Nick Suzuki, Esperi Kotkaniemi, Alexander Romanov are not headed out that door just as soon as they really start to perform and, and really arrive in the case of Alexander Romanov. So is is that what has been uh, commented on Facebook? Are fans relieved that this is this is over and the Montreal Canadiens were not the team that traded for Pierre-Luc Dubois? Find us on Facebook. Uh, just type in yeah. all Habs, all one word, all Habs, and come to the uh, official All Habs fan page uh, on Facebook because we want to hear uh, your answer to this question if you're relieved uh, that uh, Pierre-Luc um, uh, Dubois went elsewhere. Um, and, and you know, yeah, as you said, we changed our question because yeah. this uh, <laughs> went... Uh, uh, this uh, was uh, an hour or so before we went to air that this went. And so we wondered how many responses we would have. Well, there's uh, well over 7,000 engagements already, plenty of comments, uh, close, closing in on 100 comments already in the past hour. This is a, an issue that Canadians fans were worked up about. As you said, there's kind of pro and con. Uh, mm-hmm. But for the most part, uh, Tim, uh, let me just read some. Tim Austin says, glad he's going elsewhere and we weren't sucked into overpaying for him. Adam Colella says, don't get me wrong, both are fantastic off- offensive-minded players, raw talent as it's at its finest. However, I'm relieved we did not part ways with Suzuki or Romanoff. Uh, mm-hmm. Bobby Floja says, uh, I think Winnipeg played t- paid too much for him. Uh, Liney is a better player. Good job Montreal didn't trade away their future for this guy. Um, Pauline uh, Rossati says, Glad we kept our team together. We got some great rookies playing awesome hockey. Uh, great non-move. Thanks, Mark, says uh, Michelle <laughs> Raymond. Uh, John Turgeon. Um, now, he still thinks he's going to see Pierre-Luc Dubois in a Montreal Canadiens uniform, but uh, he thinks that's going to happen in a year and a half when uh, Dubois goes to free agency and then he'll sign in Montreal. So there's still hope. Mm. There's still hope yep. for yep. for Habs fans. But as you go through, um, uh, there's uh, Terry B says, I'm relieved. Mike uh, Hyde says, thank God I was terrified the hometown hero <laughs> would cost way too much for the, the fans. And he goes on and, and our comments go on and on and on. Uh, so we'd love to hear from you. Go to yeah. the All Habs uh, fan page on Facebook and uh, and join your comments. And also, when you're there, share the questions, uh, share that question uh, with your um, uh, friends and followers on social media so that they can uh, see it and, and weigh in too. Uh, there's another way you're going to be able to weigh in, and uh, Mike Rashel has been following this all week. We had an uh, an, an article uh, out early in the week uh, from uh, our newest contributor, Carly, um, who uh, took a fan perspective and, and asked fans if uh, if they should get excited. And then Mike Rashel has been following this all week, and he's kind of put together a a big picture uh, article yeah. to kind of give you a comprehensive view of what happened, how it played out, why it happened, what it would have went to Montreal, and that's going to be out on allhabs.net this afternoon. So go to allhabs.net, look for Mike's article, look for all the other great content that's on there. We've been piling out a lot yeah. of content, including <laughs> your new series, which yeah. is terrific, the the three stars of the week. Um, so go to allhabs.net and, uh, 
and uh, you have uh, you have a lot of of articles to go through and and uh, catch up on all the information you may have missed. Absolutely, and yeah, you're going to want to check out that that article from Mike uh, later on today. And yes, yeah, so my uh, my article, you're very kind, uh, will be dropping tomorrow with the new batch of three stars. And uh, you know, I think Tyler Toffoli might make an appearance. I think so? I don't know. I might go out on a, I might go out on a limb and say that. Um, now, who, uh, we should say just to um, uh, give a a, uh, a bit of um, uh, information here. Who were your three stars for last week in your debut article? In my debut article, it was uh, Alexander Romanoff as the third star, Carey Price as the second for his fantastic play, really between the pipes, in both the Toronto game and, and the Edmonton game. Of course, the Toronto game, you look at the box score and you say he allowed five goals, but that just doesn't really tell the whole story. But Edmonton was fantastic. And the first star was Josh Anderson, nice because pick. I think, you know, given the fact that as I explained in the article, maybe wasn't as effective in the second game against Edmonton as he was in Toronto. But given the fact that the Montreal Canadiens sorely lacked physicality the past few years, Josh Anderson got my pick. But yeah, and as some pointed out after, I omitted Nick Suzuki, who could have been in the mix. It's a positive problem to have when Absolutely. you have a lot of guys playing well. <laughs> you know, it's, that's, a po- that's a positive problem for Claude Julien that tonight with Yoel Armia out of the lineup, Corey Perry steps in there right so mm-hmm. that's going to be something to watch today if you got a you got something uh, a lot of a lot of stories uh, headed in to tonight's game and yeah you can expect my next three stars to drop tomorrow but rick we have a game tonight against the vancouver canucks montreal canadians at vancouver tying a bow on that three game series that mini series and then you got the Calgary Flames, the Montreal going on a bit of a prolonged absence. It's going to be five days between games, which that doesn't seem that, that uh, in what you thought was going to be a condensed season with games in close proximity. That's a bit of a break for the Montreal Canadiens. So uh, they're hiking back from the West Coast. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it takes yep. them a while. <laughs> well, last night, at, at tying a bow on the Vancouver series, but also on that six game uh, road trip to, to yeah, open. Exactly. And then finally, 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 the uh, home opener at the Bell Center on Thursday night against the Calgary Flames, a repeat date uh, one mm-hmm. week from t- today, uh, again at the Bell Center against Calgary. So, uh, It'll be fun. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna keep on uh, top of uh, all the stories, uh, and there's uh, there's there's gonna be a few. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, keep uh, keep checking with our and, and interact with us on our social media. Yeah. Keep checking allhabs.net. Um, and uh, with respect to this podcast, we want to make sure that you're uh, subscribed first. Subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss a thing. And also share our podcast uh, on your social media so that other Canadians fans will have an opportunity to see it as well. Absolutely. Subscribe. That way you don't have to worry about missing another episode. Share with your friends and also subscribe uh, to The Press Zone with yourself and Amy Johnson, which is a phenomenal podcast that you do not want to miss as well uh, with fantastic perspective on the AHL. Um, and, and some fantasy hockey, but uh, I don't know if you want to listen to Amy Johnson talk about fantasy <laughs> hockey. I think you'd rather my listen goodness. to me talk about fantasy hockey because I'm up nine to two uh, in my matchup this oh, week. Yeah, but Rick, that. yeah, did I mention that? Okay, uh, I think we're getting repetitive a little bit. Rick, we'll wrap this up for this week. We'll be back next week, as you said, discussing all things Montreal Canadiens and NHL. Thank you for tuning in to the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. 
click subscribe so you never miss an episode of Canadians Connection. Visit allhabs.net for breaking news about the Montreal Canadiens.